This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Hello, everyone. Again, for everyone here. Welcome all of our campuses and everyone watching online. How you doing? If I could have everyone please stand as we recite the Apostle Creed. This is our statement of faith in what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we have our special guest, our very own Becky Schomer, who's gonna be sharing with us. So would you please put your hands together and welcome her. You got a big... <laughs> you guys are so great. I love this church. Good morning, Celebration Church. It is always so lovely to be with all of you. Welcome again to our... Uh, Folks online and those in Appleton and Stevens Point who are watching this morning, it's just really great to be a part of you. I'm excited about the message that I get to deliver this morning. Um, I am, some of you are familiar with me, some of you are not. I've been a relatively new face here in front of you, but I have been a part of Celebration Church for about 21 years now, um, which is a little shocking because I'm pretty sure that about 21 years ago I should have been six. And I think my husband and I drove ourselves to church that day, but I'm just saying, I don't know. Something is not exactly computing. But I am just in love with you as a church. I love the opportunity to be on staff. I love the opportunity as I've shifted some ministry responsibilities and come and get to be with all of you grown-ups now for a bit as well. But I've loved my season with kids, and um, I just consider it all a blessing. I told the group first service that um, really, after 21 years, you are family to me, whether you are new to Celebration Church or you've been here even longer than I have, you are like family. So I just need to have a family moment and my true confession, some of you already know this, but um, my eyes are just not as young as they used to be, even though I was six when I first came to the church. So I have this little thing, it's really funny to me, and I do have an eye appointment scheduled, so all of you that are concerned, don't worry, I do have an eye appointment scheduled, I will get proper glasses, but I still am just dependent on my cheaters, okay? So as I was getting ready for today, now very often I'll come up and I can share like for a couple minutes and most of that I can remember, but when you're sharing for a longer message, I am dependent on my notes. And I thought, well, surely I could just make that font big enough. Um, so I tried doing that, but then I realized here's what's gonna happen. Like, there's 10 words on a page. 
So I'll be sitting like this the whole time I'm up here and you're all gonna think I'm crazy. So instead, I'm gonna wear my readers, okay? Um, you will still see me flipping because I did still have to increase the font even though I'm wearing those. But the truth of the matter is when I look out at all of you now, you are one big ball of haze. So it was really lovely to see you a moment ago when I was not wearing the glasses, but the good news is I will be able to see actually my notes this morning and hopefully deliver somewhat of a coherent message for you. That is the goal. Now, my other true confession is because I, you are a haze for me, uh, the clock is also quite a haze, so I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> First service, I was like, oh no, I can't see the time. Just being real with you all, welcome to the family. I'm so glad you're here. Anyway, just a few moments ago, we kicked off our service like we do every Sunday, and we recited the Apostles' Creed together. This week, as I was preparing for my message, it struck me, really, what a sweet moment that is. I don't know that I've ever spent too much time thinking about it. I don't know if you have, so I'm just gonna bring you into my world for a second. But it struck me as I was thinking about the message that you know that Apostles' Creed is something that, I guess we know this, but we might not think about it. It's literally recited in thousands of churches every Sunday all around the globe. The languages change, the word choice might change a little bit depending on the tradition of the church. But in general, there are thousands of churches declaring truths that we all believe to have in common all around the globe. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I got excited about it. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about unity among, among the church. And very often we look at that within our own local communities and that's absolutely true. Unity is important in all of our relationships and all of our churches. But I just think about that unity across our global church as well, the Church of Jesus Christ, the Holy Christian Church that we talk about in the Apostles' Creed. And um, it's really sweet when we have those moments to realize that we just have things that are in common instead of always looking at those things that make us so different. So anyway, this morning I'd like to spend some time focusing on two of those phrases that we say in the Apostles' Creed. Two we believe statements. One of them being, we believe in the Holy Christian Church. And the other one being, the fellowship of believers. And I love those two statements because honestly, I just love those two ideas. And I don't think it's by accident that they show up together in the scriptures and the biblical account of the very early beginnings of the church. In Acts chapter two, if you've read it before, it's the time when the, of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is first poured out on the church. And if you remember the story, when the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples, they all begin to speak in other languages. Now there were, um, I would say thousands, but I don't really know if that's true. Lots of people in Jerusalem at the time of Pentecost. And when the disciples went out and they were speaking all these other languages, the foreigners in the city began to hear people speaking about God's power only in their own languages. It was a powerful moment in time. And then Peter, filled by the same power, went out into the streets and he began to preach the gospel message. And they saw... The results were staggering of what they saw happen to the church that day. So we're gonna read it together real quick in Acts chapter two, it's verses 41 and 42. Um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. And this is what it's recorded in the Bible. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper, and to pray, to prayer. I'm gonna repeat that first verse one more time, that verse 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. When is the last time you had to describe what a church is to someone? 
If I had to venture a guess, most of us would probably say, never. <laughs> never really thought about how I would have to describe a church to somebody. But I would guess that many of us would come up with kind of similar definitions. Most of us would probably think first and foremost of something like this, that the church is a building where people go to hear about the Bible and to worship God. That would be one thing that I think would be common to hear if somebody was trying to describe the church. Now, if you've been in church for very long, though, you would probably contend with that definition a little bit. And you would probably say, church is not so much a place, it's the people. That's another definition. And then there's been this one. I've heard this one a lot, especially in like the last five years, I would say. There's this theory that the church is really anywhere where people meet with God. So it can be out in nature, it can be in the four walls of the building, it can be in your home, it could be any of those places in your car, that that is also church. So my question is, which is it? When we stand corporately and we declare that we believe in the holy Christian church, which is it? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to try them out. All right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen. I want you to listen to those answers to the question. And if I say we believe in those things, and we're going to just see how it sounds, okay? So for example, instead of saying, um, we would say we believe in the building where people go to learn about the Bible and worship God. Maybe not so much, huh? I guess we're far enough in our journey to know that it's not about believing in a, in a building. That's a little weird. Okay, so let's try the next one. We believe in the people, not the building. Well, that one probably sits a little bit better, right? But we know that church, innately, when we're walking this walk, we know that it's about more than just us. So even that one, it doesn't sit exactly right. So let's try the other one. We believe in wherever we meet with God. It quickly breaks down, doesn't it? Because you see, not one of those statements declared a belief in something. Rather, they all stated a belief that something was true of the church. Let me give you an example that'll make a little bit more sense, because we're going to talk a little bit about ins and thats. Can you hang in there with me? I know you can. All right, here's an example. I believe in my husband. Okay, I believe in his character and I believe in his aptitude. Those are things I believe in. I also believe that he can engineer almost anything that is put before him. Now, keeping this in mind, I want you to know that people often confuse their beliefs in with beliefs that, and it can lead them into dangerous territory. Here's what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm going to go back to my husband example to help frame this out. Now, I told you that I believe that my husband can engineer just about anything. Now, this afternoon, we're going to be doing some decorating here at the church for Christmas. Um, and he has a few Christmas decorating tasks that are, may actually prove me wrong. <laughs> about why I believe that. But you see, my belief in Keith Schomer, in my husband, if it rested on my belief that he can engineer anything, we would be in trouble. Once I discovered that, ooh, that might not actually be the truth, right? If, however, my belief that Keith Schomer can engineer anything rests on the fact that I believe in him, then suddenly we're still, we're doing fine. 
if suddenly I discover that actually he can't engineer truly anything. Does that make sense? So I'm gonna bring it back to the church for a second, okay? Our belief in the church should not rest on our beliefs about the church. So when we declare that we believe in the Holy Christian Church, we need to understand what it means. So first off, I want you to know this, because some of you have grown up in traditions where you've heard the creed stated, you've, you've recited it in churches, and the words are sometimes different in different traditions, but the most common difference that you'll hear on this one, of course, is people will say, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, I want you to know that the reason many, um, I was gonna just say Presbyterian, the reason that most Protestant churches do not say that is not because they're not Catholic. When the Apostles' Creed says that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, it's little c, not capital C. The word Catholic, little c, just means universal. So when we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, little c, it's just that statement that we do believe in, um, in the global church. But most people don't understand that, so it gets a little weird when you walk into a non-Catholic church and say we believe in the Catholic Church. Anyway. That was just extra for you today. That doesn't really, I don't really have a point for that other than to give you a little information, so you get that one for free. At any rate, um, so we're gonna pick it up again in Acts 2, verse 41, okay? So we're gonna understand what this is to believe in the Holy Christian Church. So again, in Acts 2, 41, you are gonna love this, I promise you. Okay, when it's written that 3,000 people were added to the church that day, I decided to dig into it a little bit. And now some of you have been with me um, enough that you know that I do love to find original word meanings. I'm just kind of geeky about it. Um, please know, so I'm gonna throw a couple Greek words at you today. Please know that I don't know Greek. I don't know Hebrew. I can't, I look at their letters and I think they're really pretty, but <laughs> that's all I've got. <laughs> But I do have some great apps, some great resources, and I love to just get to it because when we start to look at the original language, we start to find out really the treasure of the meaning of these things when they were originally written. So when this was written, when the church first started to build, and they wrote the fact that these 3,000 people, the initial church, that they were folded into the church, this was the Greek word that they used. It's suke. And it means this. It's so beautiful. It means vital breath. Another definition would be breath of life. And another one would be the soul. So that's what our declaration means. When we say that we believe in the Holy Christian Church, we are saying that we believe that the church is the breath of life for believers. That's quite a declaration, isn't it? Now what I think is really cool is the first time that we see that English phrase, the breath of life, in the scriptures is way back in Genesis. And I'm gonna read it to you. It's Genesis chapter two, verse seven, and it says this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You see, God uses the breath of life to bring about life. Doesn't that paint a different picture in your mind about the church? I mean, what if the implication here is really that the Christian life stems from the life of the church? 
Now, I'm not just saying this like as a celebration church thing. I hope that you're gonna hear me with that this morning because I mean the holy Christian church. I mean celebration church here. I mean Jacob's Well down the road. I mean Spring Lake over on the other side of town and Green Bay Community and Life Church and Holy Family and all those churches that are around. The holy Christian church. It is the place from which the breath of life is given to our Christian walk. That's pretty cool. And we have to remember that we are not in competition with those other churches that are out there. We are the holy Christian church called to be the breath of life in the Christian life and experience. We're all in the same life-giving business. You know, it's interesting to me because I will hear people talk every now and then. Um, you know, we get into the church comparisons or my friend's church does this, my church does that, whatever. I don't buy into that, people. I shouldn't have even planted that suggestion with you this morning. But we just know that we are, we're human people and that happens sometimes, right? But I just want to remind you that competition is never what God had in mind. And it's interesting to me because even way back in the early days of the church, they struggled with this. Paul actually wrote about it in 1 Corinthians in the third chapter. He's admonishing the church and he says this, and I'll, and I'll explain it in a second. He says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. You see, back in those days, people, not unlike us, the church was just starting, and they would, people would become followers of the leaders of their churches, and then they started to disagree with one another about which one was right because they were following different men without ever understanding or giving credit to the one who deserved it, the only one who makes things grow, and that is God himself. So Celebration Church, I just want you to know that we are part of the Holy Christian Church, but we know that God has given us a call that's unique to us, and we need to respond to that just like Paul had to respond to the part that God wanted him to play, and Apollos had to respond to the part that God had for him to play. We don't ever want to look like other churches. We don't want other churches to look like us. We want to be Celebration Church, the one and the only now, I told you that I want to look at two of those we believe statements, okay? So we quickly touched base on the Holy Christian Church, but here's the other one that we need to touch base about real quick because um, there's another nugget buried in the creed that's also part of this verse in the early church. Now, remember back in Acts chapter 2, 41 and 42, it says that those who believed Peter were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to pray. So let's talk about fellowship for a quick second. Fellowship is one of those very churchy words. If you've been around the church long enough, you've heard the word fellowship, and it's been used in lots of ways. Like, for example, many churches will have what they call a fellowship hall, where people will gather together very often after church for a fellowship hour, where they'll drink coffee and they'll visit with one another and things of that nature. Now, depending on how long you've been here at Celebration Church, you may actually remember the day when we were Bayside Christian Fellowship. Um, so the word has been part of this church life for, um, for quite a while. But if I were to ask those of you in the room, so what is fellowship? Somebody define it for me. I would probably get answers that sound something like this. Well, 
Fellowship is eating and drinking with other people. Or maybe fellowship is hanging out with Christian people. But again, those are things that we believe about fellowship. To believe in the fellowship of believers is something completely different. And it requires us to understand the deeper picture of what that word entails. So this one is pretty great too. I'm gonna give you another Greek word. Are you ready? It's koinonia. Oh, don't you just wanna say it? Go ahead, say it. Koinonia. It's a fun one. Oh, you did not participate well in that one, my church friends. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, and here's what the word koinonia means. It's so fascinating, right? It means to contribute help to share or to participate with. It is a relational word and it paints the picture of give and take between the parts. It is also used to convey the idea of a more intimate relationship. What I find really interesting about this word is it's the same word that is used and translated in the Bible as communion. So to believe in the fellowship of believers means to participate with or contribute to the believers as a demonstration of relationship. So, now that I've given you a little Greek lesson for today, the real question before us is, why does it matter, right? It's the question we should always be asking ourselves when we come to church, but here's why. Because we here at Celebration Church, we believe in the Great Commission which is to make disciples of all nations. And all means our cities, Green Bay, Appleton, Stevens Point, it means our state, it means our nation, it means our world, okay? We believe in that commission. But we also believe in the church, as we say in the creed, as his most powerful, tr his most powerful tool for bringing about the Christian life. We also believe in the intimacy of relationships that happens when we all participate in that mission. But we also believe that God has given us a unique voice here in Wisconsin. That there are some strategic ways that we can strengthen that voice. Because we also believe that there are thousands of people in our areas who need to hear the gospel. And that it is time for us to start thinking about those who will make up Celebration Church 50 or even 100 years from now. Next week, we officially kick into the season of Advent, which is the time in the church calendar when we look with anticipation on the coming of Jesus. Now, understandably, we relate it to the first time he came as a baby in Bethlehem, but what we as a church really need to start anticipating, though, is his second coming when he returns as king. Jesus' disciples thought that they would possibly live to see the day that Jesus would return. But it's been more than 2,000 years since he ascended. Imagine if those disciples, imagine if that early church had just decided to just seclude themselves into little cloisters to wait for him. I can tell you this, if they had, we wouldn't be here because who would have ever heard the word? Who would have ever heard the truth? Because here's the truth of the matter, the future is always dependent on the activity of the present. 
I'm gonna say that one more time. The future is always dependent on the activity of the present. So throughout the Advent season this year, we're gonna be asking all of us who consider Celebration Church to be our home church to participate in our annual legacy initiative. Now, some of you may have already received a letter from Pastor Mark. Some of you might remember the video that we saw. I think you'll see it again later in the service today. Um, and you're gonna, so you'll hear more about that. But one of the messages that you're gonna continue to hear us saying over and over about this legacy initiative is that our goal this year is 100% participation by our Celebration Church families. Now please, if Celebration Church is not your home church, you're still thinking things, figuring things out, we want you to know that we, we have no expectation on you. I'm talking about those who you've made a commitment, this is your church home, okay? Now here's the thing, you'll notice we didn't put a dollar amount on our goal for this year because we don't wanna put a dollar amount on you, all right? Clearly, now legacy initiative, the legacy offering is a financial initiative. Okay, so clearly we wouldn't take a financial offering if we didn't understand that, um, that money is necessary to strengthen our future. However, our goal of 100% participation, say that five times fast, is not about the dollars, it is about the fellowship. Okay, it is about strengthening our relationship with each other as we put some of our treasure toward our belief in the celebration expression of the church. So I hope that you'll start thinking about that, what it might look like for your family, and that you'll join us in giving towards that legacy campaign. Um, before I wrap things up today, I do wanna just share a quick story with you. When I was a junior in college, I had the opportunity to uh, spend a semester studying in Europe. I, um, I was not a Christ follower at the time, but I went to a Catholic college, and I wasn't Catholic at the time either. I just happened to like the school. And anyway, when I was in Europe, I had the opportunity to visit some truly amazing cathedrals, like churches that took literally hundreds of years to build, okay? And I can remember being inspired as I would stand in those places by the stained glass windows and as our tour guides would explain to us the process of, of the artists literally painting murals on arches that were hundreds of feet over our heads, I mean, I would stand there in awe of what was going on. Now, many of the churches that I visited, they would have these great ornate statues, and um, I keep forgetting the name of it, whatever the little pointy things are. I'm clearly not an art history major, but I think I did take an art history class when I was in Europe. You would never know that. Anyway. Um, Europe is obviously a popular destination for a lot of Americans, so I would guess many of you in this room have been in some of those same places. Um, you've experienced the same cathedrals, you've seen the architecture, you've heard the history, all of those things. But I want you to know that um, when I was there, I appreciated in that moment what I experienced in the moment. I experienced the beauty of the art and the architecture and all of those things. But can I tell you what was lost on my 20-year-old self at the time? I had very little appreciation for the vision and the commitment of those who started the projects but never got to see them completed. Hundreds of years, that's six to seven generations of people. That means the first guy who came up with the plan was a complete stranger to the guy who finished it off. And chances are the guy before him and maybe even the guy before him also had no knowledge of the one who started the entire process. And now these buildings, they stand there. They're magnificent. 
but the visions still stand. Now, most of them, of course, have had to be through some major renovations because a lot of those churches are older than our country. Like, we can't have churches that old because we haven't been here that long. <laughs> but there's our, you know, but they still stand and they have congregations that meet in them. They have ministry that's happening in those places. They have effective missions. And now they have that interesting mix of tours thrown in. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but it's great. So when we're talking about legacy around here, that's what we're talking about setting the church up to continue ministry for generations after us. It isn't about the blueprint or the architect's plan, but it is actually about the building. And it isn't about me or you or Pastor Mark or Pastor Arnie who started Bayside Christian Fellowship back in the day, but it is about people. And the only ministry that will ever bear fruit out of this place is whatever it is that God calls us to. So um, I'm gonna warn my camera people again. I'm gonna walk this way. I have a visual that I just wanted to share with you as I wrap this up today. Are they tracking me? They're so good, our media team. You should give a hand to our media team. Uh, I've now walked out of their light. That is like their other nightmare. So I'm sorry, people online, you probably can't see me very well. Okay, um, my husband who can engineer anything, he set me up with this great rope because only a guy with an engineering mind has rope like this around somewhere. <laughs> Anyway, I want you to imagine for a moment that this rope here is like the existence of your life, okay? Now, you probably, many of you can see that there's a spool over there that has lots and lots more on it, but I want you to imagine that this rope, it, it continues on and it expands around the globe at least a couple of times, okay? Because when we're talking about the entire existence of our life, we're talking about eternity. And now you're gonna notice that um, my rope has this little red part here. And this red part, this is your time on earth. You have got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got an eternity somewhere else. What blows me away is that if, if we really get this, if we really understand this, oops, now I'm standing out, this, compared to this, the decisions we make, the priorities that we set in our life, they're messed up. <laughs> they really are. Because we find ourselves here in, in this part of our life trying to make all these decisions. We want to save, save, save. We want to have comfort, comfort, comfort. We want to enjoy, enjoy, enjoy this part right here. And we forget that the decisions that we need to be, make, be making, the things that we need to be prioritizing, this could be done before we know it. A moment's notice, none of us knows, right? When our last day is or when Jesus might come back, and then it's this. So we have to become a people who remember the brevity of our existence here and start to be mindful about the rest of our existence, the rest of eternity. Now here's the other thing that I want you to see. If I had more tape with me, I would have taped another color down here. Because one day we get it, this is gonna end for us. And then we get to go into glorious um, eternity, if we're a Jesus follower anyway. But the truth of the matter is, unless Jesus comes back, there's gonna be another generation on this part of the rope. Maybe your grandkids. There's gonna be another generation here. We're getting further down, right? Let's make sure that we're people that are starting to invest here in a way that can have impact for those that are here. And understanding that 
what really needs to matter is all of this that's going on beyond us. Amen? All right. Uh, one more quick story I need to tell you. When I was in Europe, I learned about this man named Christopher Wren. He was given the job of rebuilding a cathedral in London that was burned down. St. Paul's Cathedral, I think is what it was called. Um, it fell in the fire of 1666 or something like that, um, if I remember correctly. And Christopher Wren took 10 years to design what was going to be the new church, and then it took 40 years for the project to be completed. So he, as I understand it, I might have this detail wrong, but as I understand it, he did live to see the completion of the project. But there's a story that says that he showed up on the work site one day and he saw bricklayers all about their work um, of building the walls or whatever it is that they were working on. And he noticed that of these three gentlemen in particular, there was one that was very stooped over, there was another that was standing but was a little bit more hunched, and there was one that was standing straight and tall. And as he looked at these gentlemen, he had guessed, based on their ages, that they would not be people who would still be around to see the completion of the project. Their time here would end before the church itself would ever be completed. And Christopher Wren proceeded to go up to these men and he asked them the question, hey, what are you doing? The first man that he asked said to him, I'm working. The second man said, um, building a wall. The third man said, I am building a cathedral to the almighty God. And I want you to know it was that third man who was standing tall, knowing that he would never see that completed project, but he knew the purpose and the value of what it was that he was investing in. Let's be like the third man, church. Let's stand tall and let's value those things that are gonna have purpose for the almighty God. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you can give him some praise for that. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward at this time so they can start preparing for communion. I'm going to get myself untangled from these ropes. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the church. We're talking about fellowship with other believers. Oh, hold on. I'm losing. Sorry. Get back on there. The glasses, the microphone, it all falls, I tell you what. Anyway, um, so we were talking about these things, but chances are there's somebody in this room that those just sound like foreign concepts to you that you maybe haven't come to a place in your life where you've decided that you really want to embark in this faith life, that fellowship or participating in relationship with other people and contributing to something, this eternal thing that will go on beyond us. Maybe up to this point it hasn't totally made sense, but today it's clicking for you. I wanna give you an opportunity to start your journey of faith. It's really quite simple. It just, it starts with a prayer, with a commitment to God, um, and then from there, we'll have to just give you some, some tools and some steps that you can take to just continue your faith journey from there. So I'm going to ask you all to just pray with me. You can repeat the words after me, um, and we'll say it together. Father God, I thank you so much for your precious love. And I thank you that your plans are so much greater than my own. Today I give my life to you. I ask you to take away my sins and any of those things that keep me apart from you. I make you my Lord today and I ask you to lead me in the way of everlasting. And now I'm just gonna wrap up in a prayer for the rest of you. And Father God, I thank you for this church. 
I thank you for the people who call celebration their home, and I thank you for those who are in the process of figuring out is this, if this is where they fit. God, I thank you for the ministry that you've called us to, and I pray that we would be faithful with it. God, I pray for our people, that they would continue to grow with you, and God, that we would have eyes that are not focused on the short term, but focused on eternity. We just love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.